And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. you. may be seated this morning and uh, thankful for you choosing to worship with us today. My name is John and I am blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark. And as Ben already uh, mentioned, we want uh, you to be a part of our family. If this is where God would have you serve and where God would have you, uh, we, I would love to meet you. If you're new, I'll be right out here in the foyer. My wife and I, Joy, will be right out here at the blue sign as soon as church is over. And I would have an opp- love to have an opportunity to meet you. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Make your way there. We're going to get there in a moment. And uh, God is good. And all the time. Hey, I want to encourage you uh, tonight to be here for our Fall of Palooza at 5 o'clock. And so it's going to be, it really is our, our biggest and most effective outreach into our community. And so it's just an opportunity for us as a faith community to get together and serve our local community. And so we have hundreds and thousands really of people that will walk through our doors. And so hopefully you signed up to serve. Hopefully you got your costume ready and all those good things. And, and uh, how many of you are the, the last minute parents who at the last minute think, oh, I guess today we got to find a costume for our kids? I mean, we're like that. that. That's the way we were. We're like, oh, uh, put on this jersey. You're a football player, you know. Like uh, one year, our son's arm was broke, and we're like, oh, you're an injured football player this year. Like we were just, we we failed in that area. If that's success, we we failed. All right. So hey, we're in our final series, our final week of our series, the vow. And so I would encourage you to get your bulletin out this morning. Take notes. And, uh, and then I want to encourage you, next week we're going to start our new series uh, called the Psalms of the Season. And we're going to go through four different psalms. And, of course, I, I love the psalms. And so get a pen real quick, and, and I'm going to write, I'm going to give you the, the, the next four weeks what psalms we're going to be in and encourage you to read through those and study through those and prepare for the next four weeks. So next week will be Psalms 95. Uh, And then the week after that, Pastor Dave is going to be preaching on Psalms 91. So Psalms 95, Psalm 91, and then Psalm 34 on the 17th, which will also be a baptism service. So if you are needing to be baptized, uh, go on the website. You can find how to let us know there on our website. And then uh, November 24th, which is the Sunday there before Thanksgiving, will be Psalm 23. And also an opportunity on the, on the 24th, as we do Psalms 23, uh, we'll have communion service that day as well. It's kind of a tradition for us to, uh, and the greatest thing we have to be thankful for is the cross of Jesus Christ, right? And so we'll celebrate that on the 24th, doing Psalms 23. All right, so this is our third week in this series, The Vow. We've talked about priority, we've talked about partnership, and today we're going to talk about uh, purity. And so this is the, you know, as Ben mentioned, a family. So let's just envision today we're having the family talk, okay, on purity. Everybody, everybody tracking with me, all right? And I, so I got a question really quick, okay? Um, I used to think this was a debate, but I don't think it is anymore, but I'm maybe a little bit, I'm curious, um, you know, because I, I really want, I want to be in fashion. I want to look like I should look. How many of you would say that this shirt is in style? Would you raise your hand? All right. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of looking over at the young people section more than the rest of All right. Uh, how many of you say probably not in style? All right. Got a few of you. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you. All right. So the reality is 
Okay, so I don't really know how women think, so I'm going to think like a man, right? Uh, men, you guys remember, remember back, all right? So I'll remember back to when I was in college and, and really started dating. My freshman year in college, I had a lot of first dates, okay? Not a lot of second dates, okay? And uh, the reason is, honestly, I was just like, I would go on a date. Oh, she doesn't interest me anymore. See you later. But you guys ever have that outfit where you think, man, I look pretty good in this. All right, can you guys nod with me, all right? Women, do you, do you do that too as well? I mean, it seems like you tried 30 outfits on every night, so it didn't really matter. But I, I had this outfit that I thought, this is my first date shirt, right? And guess what? This is it. I bought it in like 1990, okay? It's older than a big percentage of you in the room. And man, I still look good in this shirt, right? And uh, so it was known as my first date shirt. In fact, uh, it was the shirt that I was wearing, well, part of the time. So my, you know, I have a twin brother. My brother wore it on a date, on his first date with, uh, with a girl named Jerry. And halfway through his date, he excused himself uh, to the restroom where I was waiting. And I put the shirt on and, and con- continued the date. Uh, there wasn't a second date either on that. But in September, in September of 1992, okay, so we're going way back, September of 1992, this shirt officially retired as a first date shirt. You know why? Because I met the girl I wanted to go a second date with. And I've kept it all these years, and so uh, I was hoping for an awe, like, sentimental like that's awesome right and so joy and i uh in july celebrate 26 years of marriage and uh yeah give her a hand she she deserves all kinds of awards for that and so this shirt has been hanging in my closet for 28 years and uh kind of smells like it at times too but no um vow number one we talked about the first week so maybe catch you up if you haven't been a part of this series I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. Okay, we also in that, seri- in that week talked to singles and, and we talked about the fact that a single person, which uh, there were a lot in here this morning, that as a single person, my vow then is that I'm going to pursue my one, which is God, while I'm preparing for my two. And so we understand that God has got to be our first priority. That's what we talked about the first week. God is our first priority. So I'm going to I'm going to pursue God, I'm going to pursue my one for singles while I'm preparing for my two. As married couples, God is going to be my number one priority. My spouse will be my number two. Uh, Last week we talked about partnership and and the vow was pretty simple. I promise that our marriage will be about we and not me. Okay, And so we are all selfish people. And so this is sometimes a daily commitment. right? This marriage, the vow I'm making is it's going to be about we, not me. Me And we asked the question throughout the message last week, is your marriage united or untied? And the only difference between the two is where you place the I, right? And so it's not about me, it's about we, okay? Now, Matthew chapter 7. We've read this verse every, every week so far in our series. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in the Uversion Bible app, and it's, it's there uh, every week. Pastor Nathan loads that up on the YouVersion Bible app. You can look under, if you click on more and then events, 
then you'll find Hallmark Baptist there that's live, and you'll have the notes there both in English as well as in Spanish, if that may be easier for you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, right? Let me get to Matthew. I'm in Ephesians. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And the rock being Jesus, okay? And so a a lot of our uh, information that we're getting is really from two sources. The first is the book called Marriage on the Rock. And this is really the foundation that 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 book was written on, that Jimmy Evans wrote. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Let's keep reading, though. Verse uh, Verse 26. But everyone who does, but everyone who desire, or excuse me, hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came down, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Or, or like last week, remember we we sang the song, you know, the rains came down, the floods came up, and then we said what? Well, and the house on the sand went. All right, some of you are awake. Let's do it again. And the house on the sand went. Right, all right. And so when we think about marriage, we think about the foundation of our life. What am I building my life upon? Is, is, am I going to build my life on, on the rock, Jesus, or on culture, or my own desires, or what I think is right or wrong? And when we walk through this, this message this morning, here's an underlying principle I think is important really in all aspects of our life, but specifically in this area of our life as well. And that is God gives us principles to live by, and we read those through the Scripture. That's what he's talking about here in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm teaching you these principles, and if you'll live by them, you'll be wise. You'll have a strong foundation. If you don't live by them, you're foolish. You're not going to have a strong foundation. But when we think about the principles of God, we have to remember that God gives his principles, his standards, his boundaries, however you want to word that, to protect us not to prevent us. Okay, it's for our protection, not for our prevention. And if we don't understand, if we don't understand that principle that God's laws, God's rules, God's principles, God's barriers are to protect us, not to prevent us from something, then it's going to be hard for us to build our foundation on the rock. Okay, and that's what Jesus was talking about in in John chapter 10. He's talking about Satan. He says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy But I have come to give life, and to give life what? More abundantly, or a good life. And so what Jesus is saying, if I will build my life on his principles, on the foundation of the word of God, the rock, then I can have a successful life. When the storms of life come, I can overcome them. So I have a few questions for you this morning, all right? Uh, How many of you in here are married? Raise your hand, all right, married, all right. How many of you... Hope someday maybe that you want to be married, all right? Raise your hand, all right? So there's a lot of us. Preston, you, you want to get married? All right. Hopefully you'll wait a while, all right? And uh, we found out last week, Bob and Carol back there have been married 65 years. And then I realized uh, Jimmy and LaRue here are on the, on the second row, and they've been married 64 and a half years. They got married when they were 17 years old. Can you imagine? Your, how many of you are 17 over here? Oh, wow, none of you are ready to get married, all right? I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? All right, now, let me ask a few blunt questions this morning. Okay, so everybody in the room probably fits into one of three categories. Uh, You are married, you were married, and you hope to be married. 
okay? That's probably going to get most of us, all right? So let me ask a, a question. How many of you plan in your marriage to have an affair? Anybody? All right. How many plan on being addicted to pornography? Anybody? Okay, how about just, uh, we'll back it up a little bit, not a physical affair, but you plan on having at least one emotional affair with a coworker during your marriage. Anybody? You see, we, we, none of us plan it. None of us intentionally go into marriage that we're going to significantly wound our spouse. But the reality is this happens every single day. And, and that we wound someone that we've stood before the pastor and the crowd and made a covenant till death do us part. I'm going to be faithful to you. And we see it over and over again. We don't strive to do that, but I think it's because we don't listen to the words of Jesus. If you hear what I teach you and you obey and apply what I teach you, you'll be on a, on a firm foundation. If you don't, you're going to be foolish. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to spend some time in Ephesians this morning talking about this. So in the first couple of chapters, Paul, as he's writing uh, the book to the church at Ephesus, now we call it the book of Ephesians, uh, he's talking about our identity in Christ, which went with a lot with, with what we talked about already, they're saying about this morning. Uh, read the first couple of chapters, and it's pretty amazing what Paul says. We were aliens but God has made us citizens. We were foreigners. We were strangers, but God has brought us. We were far off, but God has brought us near. We were orphans. We've been adopted. Those are the terms that, that we see in Ephesians 1 through chapter 3. And then in, in the last half of the book, Paul says, because of who you are in Christ, this is how you should live. Okay? And so this is some principles here in Ephesians chapter 5 that we're going to walk through this morning as we think about the priority of purity. And understand the priority of purity doesn't start when I get married. Okay, it starts way sooner. It starts now. Whatever, wherever you are in life, again, as we talked a, a few weeks ago about those maybe in the room who've been divorced, that I'm thankful that we serve a God that gives second chances. I'm thankful that we serve a God that gives grace and forgiveness. And we think about purity for maybe someone in the room that's messed up, that hasn't followed the guidelines that God has given us. Can I just assure you this morning that you can start new, you can start fresh with God, that confession can be made, and God forgives, God restores, and God uses. Aren't, aren't you glad God gives us second chances? Because we all fail in, in many ways. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore, again, alluding to the fact that you are a follower of Christ, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling uh, aroma. Verse number three, and here's where we, we get into our subject this morning about fornication. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting but rather giving of thanks. And so let's define this term here, an old word, really, verse 3, that probably we don't use a whole lot anymore. Verse 3, fornication. What, what does that mean? And what it really is saying here is this, is this is any type of sex outside of the boundaries of marriage. 
Okay, so God, as we, we're going to walk through, and we've talked in Genesis already, that God intended one man with one woman to be in covenant relationship for a lifetime and to be faithful to one another. And God intended the act of sex to be confined to the covenant relationship between one man and one wife forever. That was God's plan. Okay, and so what this word is saying, anything outside of God's plan of sex, that is what he's referring to in fornication. Now, 50% of families in the U.S. report that they're in their home, they're dealing with some type of issue dealing with pornography. And, and can I just be really bold and honest and transparent, I guess, with you this morning? Pornography is destroying our homes. L- listen to this statistic, that when there's pornography in the home, it increases uh, the, really, the infidelity rate and increases the chances of someone having an affair by 300%. By 300%. 50, 56% of those in, that are getting divorced would say that pornography has, is a big issue in their home. Now, listen to this statement by Craig Rochelle. Again, I think it, it references back to Matthew chapter 7. It's very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. It's very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. No. Parents, I know there's fourth and fifth graders in the room today. Now you're already thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sitting in this. Can, can I just warn you real quickly? The average person in our country is first introduced to pornography at fourth grade. If you're not having this conversation with your kids, someone else is. Okay? So you need to have this conversation with your kids. Okay? So I understand the depth of what we're talking about, but I also understand the culture we're living in, and they need to hear the truth. You need to hear the truth. Students, young adults, those of you who are not married, let me just make a statement here. Habits you form now will not stop just because you get married. Let me say it again. Habits you form now, when we're talking about this area of our purity, they will not stop magically because you get married. It's important, listen, it's important that we, whatever age we're at, whatever stage of life we're at, single, married, divorced, soon to be married, whatever, wherever you are in that, God is saying, protect your purity. Protect your mind. And, and, and let me just say this, especially for, for our teenagers. Let's again think about what I said. God's boundaries, God's rules, if you want to use that word, is, is always to protect us, not to prevent us. One of the biggest issues that all of us deal with is this new term called FOMO, the fear of missing out. And, and I know it's huge for any young adult, any student who is, has this fear of missing out, especially in this area of sexuality. And can I just be clear this morning that the only thing that you're missing out on is a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of emotional scars. Amen. Just stay away from it. Okay, God's boundaries are for our protection, not our prevention. We've read Genesis chapter 2 the last few weeks 
We're talking about marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now I want you to think about that, maybe underline and just kind of make a mental uh, note in your mind, that, that phrase, shall become one flesh. So we understand this is where we get the principle, the teaching uh, all throughout Scripture, that God intended one man with one woman for a lifetime in a covenant relationship. But look at verse 25 of Genesis chapter 2, which we haven't read yet up until today. And it says this, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were naked and they were not ashamed. What does this word ashamed mean? And it, the definition there is on your bulletin this morning. It says that they were uh, a feeling of complete worthless. They were completely worthless. Understand this. Up until this point in the history of the world, right? So we just had creation. God's placed Adam and Eve in the garden. They, and, and, and they stand before each other unashamed. No guilt. No shame. Why was there no guilt and no shame? Because there was no sin. There was no sin. Look what happens when sin enters to the picture. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. All right, Genesis chapter 3. They stand before each other without any shame because there is no sin. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, ate. She also gave to her husband with her. Okay, and we've noticed and noted before there that, that Adam failed his wife because he's with her as she's being deceived. We don't have time to really uh, go into that, but you might make a note of that. And he ate. Verse, uh, the next verse, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Again, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 25. They stand before each other. They're not ashamed. There's no guilt. There, there's no this feeling of worthlessness. They eat of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat. In other words, they sin, and immediately they decide, oh, guess what? There's fear and there's shame involved. Why? Because of sin. And they made a covering for themselves. Continue reading verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Here, here's what I want you to understand this morning as you, as you fill out the blanks in your bulletin. Sin always brings shame, and sin always brings secrecy. Okay, so we see the picture here. They're not ashamed. They're not shameful. They don't, they don't have this sense of guilt because they've never sinned. Now, they, sin enters the picture immediately. Their eyes were open, and they know between right and wrong. Isn't that exactly what God told them was going to happen? And in fact, Satan kind of tried to twist that and say, God doesn't want you to eat the fruit because he knows you'll know between right and wrong. And Satan was right in that. That was exactly the truth. But he didn't understand, and they didn't understand what that really meant. And so sin enters the picture, and sin always brings shame. They covered themselves. They were afraid. And then they went and did what? They went and hid. They hid from, think about this for a moment. God who's created them in perfect innocence. They have perfect relationship with God, their creator. And all of a sudden sin enters in the world and they have this new feeling. This feeling of shame. So they go hide. Sin leads to shame. It leads to secrecy. Look at the next statement here. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. 
Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy, which leads us to this third vow this morning. We have the vow of priority. We have the vow of partnership. The third one here, we have the vow of purity. And what is this vow? Vow number three, I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. This, this, is, this is twofold here. Okay, let's think about this for a moment from those of us in the room or for those of you in the room who are not married. Okay, so who am I making this, who am I making this vow to? I promise to confide in you, not to hide from you. This, this is a vow that you are making to God because look what, look what Adam and Eve did. They sinned, and what do they immediately go do? They go and hide from God. The one person who can fix it, the one person who can offer forgiveness, the one person who can restore them, they go and hide from him. And we have a tendency to do the exact same thing. So as a single person in the room, the the vow here is that I'm making a commitment, that I'm going to confide in the Lord. And and we're going to get into this a little more, what this confiding means. But I'm going to confide I'm not going to hide. Now let's think for us in the room that are married this morning. It, it brings with it that same aspect, that my relationship with God, again, if we go back to our priorities, my relationship with God is number one, my spouse is number two, my kids are number three. And so I'm going to make this vow as a married man that I'm going to confide in the Lord, not hide from the Lord. But I'm also going to make the commitment as a married man that I'm going to confide in my wife and I'm not going to hide from my wife. That secrecy, secrecy in my marriage robs me of intimacy. If I have sins in my life that I have not confessed to the Lord and I have not confessed to my wife, then it robs me of intimacy that God wants me to have. And let's just be real honest this morning. When we talk about this area of purity, most of the time this is a sin of secrecy. Most of the time. And maybe this morning, there needs to be some tough conversations this week. And we're going we're gonna to get into that too a little more. So my, the vow is that I'm going to confide and I'm not going to hide. Genesis chapter 3. We don't have time to read the rest of it. If you read the rest of the chapter 11 all the way through verse 24, we get the consequences of sin, which leads us to number three on your outline. So sin brings shame, it brings secrecy, and number three, it brings suffering. The consequences of sin are laid out there in verses 11 and following the rest of the chapter. Uh, God addressed Satan, the serpent. God addressed uh, Eve, and God addressed Adam. And there was consequences, there was suffering involved for their sin. Beyond their personal suffering for their personal choice, suffering as we sing about today then was placed on who? Christ. And my sins placed Jesus on the cross. And when I continue to allow myself to live in sin, what am I saying to the Lord about the sacrifice of the cross? Really what I'm saying, it's of little value. God, I I know my sin placed you on the cross, but I kind of enjoy my sin, so deal with it. That that sounds pretty blunt, but I think it's pretty accurate. Sin leads to suffering. Now, turn me back to Ephesians, all right? Turn me all the way back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 8. 
So how, again, as I said, the first few chapters in Ephesians are our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Again, so he's writing to believers. And then he's here in the following chapters is asking us, or explaining to us what it means to walk with Christ, to be imitators of God as we read in verse number one. Verse eight, for you were once, uh, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. So what Paul is saying is, look, before you knew Christ, you see this in, in Scripture all, all the time through Scripture, you were in darkness. Now that you have given your life to Christ, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And that's what Paul is alluding to here. Now as believers, we are to walk in light. And so he's saying, because you are a follower of Christ, he's already told them in verse 1, be imitators of Christ, act like Christ. Because you are in the light, walk as if you are in the light. Walk like Christ would want you to. To walk. Quit living as someone in darkness. You ever walked into a room that was completely pitch black dark and you can't see anything? You ever noticed after you sit there for a little while, what eventually happens? Your eyes adjust and it's not so dark and you can see. Do you know, I think that scenario has played itself over and over and over again in the life of believers that we've placed ourselves in darkness and we've been there so long that we don't even realize we're in the dark anymore. And that's how you can hear a believer justify why they're living the way they're living. Because they've just been doing it so long. And what Paul is saying is if you belong to Christ, the light of the world, walk as someone who lives in the light of the world. Walk like Christ. Let's keep reading here. Verse number 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Again, we talk about secrecy and sin. But all things are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, we we get this picture here of light and darkness. We understand this idea of foolishness and wise. Again, we think about Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, if you listen to my teachings and obey them, you're a wise man. If you choose not to listen to my teachings and obey them, you're a foolish man. And again, let's go back to this this thought this morning. God's guidelines and principles are there to protect us, not to prevent us. Do Do I trust it? So here Paul says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, what's the will of the Lord? Paul will talk about this later in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you want to turn just a few books over, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We ended Ephesians there by saying, do the will of the Lord. or Understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, let's find out what the will of the Lord is. For us as followers of Jesus Christ, what does that mean? Specifically as we talk about our purity. Verse number 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul starts out, for this is the will of God. Okay, so Paul has just said what we just read in Ephesians, understand what the will of God is. Here Paul says, again in verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God. So hopefully this has got your attention. What is the will of God 
when I'm thinking of my, my purity. Your sanctification, okay, this is just the process of becoming more like Christ, growing in your faith, as he alluded to in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God, be like Christ. This is the will of God, your sanctification, sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. What is the will of God? Is that we would grow in our faith in sanctification, becoming more like Christ, and that we would abstain from sexual immorality. Again, it's the same uh, word or same concept when we think about the word we already defined, fornication. Any type of sex outside of marriage. Paul is saying here, the will of God for you to understand is your sanctification and to flee sexual immorality. And isn't this so counterculture to what we're being taught? So then you're going to have to decide. Are these principles God is teaching me in his word to prevent me from having fun or to protect me from sin, shame, suffering, and secrecy. That's the decision you have to make. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So now you're going to go back a little bit, right? We're going to pass Ephesians. We're going to go to the left if you're turning in your Bible. If you're on your YouVersion Bible app, you've probably got that figured out by now. I don't find it, right? 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verse 15. 1 Corinthians 6.15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? This is important. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. That's what it's going to end up saying here. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Verse 15. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two he says, remember the mental note I told you to make earlier when we're talking about Genesis? When God created man and woman for a covenant relationship for a lifetime, you shall become what? One flesh. And here's what Paul says in Corinthians. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then he gives this direct command, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's. And Paul takes this to a whole new level. We understand that we read in Thessalonians in, in Ephesians to walk like Christ, be imitators of Christ. And Thessalonians, what is the will of God? The will of his God is that you would abstain from sexual immorality. And then Paul takes it to another level as to say, listen, this is important. I want you to hear, I want you to understand what I'm saying, that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, your body belongs to God. Your body is now the temple of God. God. Remember uh, last year when we went through the, the temple and the tabernacle, and what does tabernacle mean? What does temple mean? It's the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, they had to go to a place, to the dwelling place of God. When Jesus came and he died on the cross and the, the temple veil was rent in two, what did that signify? That now, as followers of Jesus Christ, I don't have to come to church to get into the presence of God, that the presence of God is in me. That my body is the temple of God, the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God. And what Paul is saying is, when you involve yourself in sexual sin, you are taking God with you. 
that's kind of alarming, isn't it? And Paul, is, as his, he's raising the ante here. If I'm going to be an imitator of Christ, I need to, flex sex, I need to flee sexual immorality. And, and listen, Jesus paid for your body by dying on the cross as a follower of Jesus. And do I want to take Jesus to the places I go? Do I want to involve Jesus in the things that I'm doing? Do I want to say to him, thanks for the cross, but this is just kind of my thing right now. It's a serious thing, our purity. That's why we see it all throughout Scripture from the very beginning. So how can I stay pure? Let's, let's walk through these, just a few practical things really quick this morning. Steps to stay pure. You might write this reference down, Psalms 119, Psalms 119, 9 through 11. You, you know they say it, it's smart to learn from your mistakes, but it's wise to learn from someone else's mistakes. And this is an opportunity for us to learn from someone else's mistakes. King David was not faithful to his wife. King, King David had an affair. King David took it a step farther and murdered the husband of the woman he had an affair with to cover up his sin. And here's what King David says about it. So again, smart people learn from mistakes. Wise people learn from someone else's mistakes. Let's take a moment and learn from David's mistake. This is what he says, Psalms 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So practically, how can I stay pure? How can I guard my purity? Number one, seek God with my whole heart. Again, it goes back to priority. I'm, just like we said last week, I'm never, my partnership with my spouse is never going to be what God intended it to be unless first my priorities are right. My purity is never going to be where God intended for it to be unless my priority is right. I'm going to seek God with my whole heart, which is what David said. Number two, memorize God's word. What did he say? I, verse 11, that word have I had in my heart that I might not sin against you. L- let me give you a resource on this really quickly. You might write this down. It's called the Bible Memory App. Okay, so go to your app store. Just search the Bible Memory app, okay? It used to be called Scripture Typer, so maybe some of you have it as that. But the Bible Memory app. Look it up. Make a commitment. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize one verse this month. That app will help you do that, okay? So Bible Memory app. I'm gonna, I want to see God in my whole heart. I'm going to memorize God's word. Number three, don't go near it. Stay away from sexual temptation, Say no to it. Get away from it. Flee. We're going to see this word, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee youthful lust. 1 Corinthians 6.18, which we already said. Flee sexual immorality. You know, when I was a kid, I was uh, very allergic to poison ivy. Okay, and we used to go out in the woods, and, and my dad would drag me and my brother to cut all the firewood. He got to do the fun part and do the chainsaw. We got to split it and carry it. And almost without fail, guess what we would get after cutting wood? Poison ivy. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it very much. Take that a step farther. My mom would usually get the poison ivy off our clothes, all the oil off our clothes. She would get it. I'm sure she loved us as well. But you know what I got real adapted doing as a kid when I went out into the woods? Spotting poison ivy because I didn't want it. And guess what I did when I saw poison ivy? 
push my brother in. No, I stayed away. I, I stayed away from it. I stayed away from it. It's the same thing. It's the same principle here. Identify when you're tempted. Stay away from that. We read later in Ephesians, it says, neither give place to the devil. In other words, don't go anywhere where you're going to be tempted. Avoid it. Okay? Number four, bring your sin into the light. And here's where it may get difficult this morning. Bring your sin into the light. Confession. You're, you're never going, listen, you're never going to get past this obstacle until you confess. It's not going to be you just making a commitment today. Oh, yeah, I'm going to stop doing X, Y, and Z. No, you're going to have to make it some confession. Here's what Proverbs says. He who covers his sins will not prosper. Whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the great news. So, so some of us have messed up and some of us aren't living a pure life. And here's what you need to know, that you can confess, God will re- forgive, God will restore, and God will use you. That, that's good news. If we confess, God forgives. James 5.16, confess your trespasses. Here's where it may get a little more difficult to one another. Look what it says. Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So the last two blanks on your outline this morning. We confess to God for forgiveness and restoration. It's the restoration of that relationship. And we confess to each other for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness and restoration. We confess to each other for healing. So this morning, as we conclude this, this series, The Vow, here, here's the three things that you need to be thinking about this morning. So in a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to end the song, uh, end the service with a, a great song of worship, but it's also a time of response. It's a time for you to, to seek God, and, and you can do that at your seat. You can do that here at the front. Uh, maybe this morning you made a decision earlier when I, when I challenged you to give your life to Christ. Maybe you made that decision this morning. And in a moment, there's going to be several of us standing right here. And if you would like to let us know you made that decision, or maybe you have some questions about what I was saying about how, how do I give my life to Jesus? We're going to be right here. You can come forward. You could shake our hand and just say, can you tell me more about how to give my life to Jesus? But here's the things that we want to wrestle with this morning. Let's think of the three vows. Is God in his proper place in my life? Is, does he have my number one priority? Is he my number one priority? What about partnership? Is my marriage, have I created an environment where it's about we, not me? Do I need to confess to my spouse? You know, I've been pretty selfish. And I'm expecting you to serve me and I'm not serving you. Is, is God my number one priority? Is it about we, not me? And will I confide and not hide? Maybe this morning you need to come forward and just confess to the Lord in the area of your priority or your partnership or your purity and say, God, I need help. I confess. He will forgive. He will restore. 
he will use you. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we are thankful to be in here in your house today. We're thankful for an opportunity to worship, Lord, the, the Savior that took on our shame, that suffered for us, who was bruised for our sins. As Scripture says, by his stripes we are healed. And Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here this morning that has not given their life to you, that they would, they would make that decision, they would walk forward, they would shake one of our hands this morning and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for, for those of us in here that there's an area of our priorities we need to confess. There's an area of selfishness in our marriage we need to confess. Or maybe there's an area of purity in our life we need to confess that, Lord, we would do that right now this morning. If we need to grab our spouse and walk forward and confess and pray, that we would do that. Bless this time of worship, of repentance and confession. It's in your name we pray. Would you worship with us this morning?